strong markets create weak skill sets. Strong market conditions, they create weak skill sets. And in real estate, they create weak real estate agents because things are moving so fast. Like we saw from 2020 up until about halfway through this year, people were cutting corners all over the place. You skipped the buyer consult. You didn't explain the paperwork sometimes. I'm sure people watching this did that. You don't go through what it's like to negotiate. You don't set the expectation up front of what to do or what to expect. You're just out there trying to hustle and do deals. And that's okay. It happens when the market's moving so fast, you're doing everything you can to keep up with it. That's totally, totally fine. The key is, are you going to pivot when the market calls for a different playbook to win business, to help people, and to get folks into homes or get their homes sold? So I outlined some of the weaknesses and basics that we're recommitting to here at our team to make sure that we don't fall into that trap of cutting corners, not treating this with the gravity that it deserves because real estate decisions are big decisions for a lot of people. So I'm going to run through all the things that agents skipped or avoided or just stopped doing since 2020 that I'm clear if you want to be successful in the fourth quarter of this year or in 2023 or really any time, it's time to recommit and make these regular plays that you run in your business. You've heard me say this before. Number one, having a consultation, a buyer consult or a seller consult. Meet with people, create expectations, show them your plan, show them your differentiation points. I'm gonna break down the three key points in each presentation here in a second. And I'd be changing the language you use around setting those appointments. It's not, hey, can I meet you for a buyer consultation? Nobody knows what that is probably on the consumer side. I would use the words, let's have a strategy session about your real estate needs, strategy sessions number one, or the second one, let's schedule a planning meeting to go over how we can get you into a new home or a planning meeting, how to get your home sold and get the best price for the property. That would be the language I would use around those because so many people skip those and they're just listing houses, they're sending paperwork, they're not explaining to buyers what an offer looks like or what the process looks like. So on those appointments, I'd have a couple key points you go over in each one of those. And this is still under number one, so take notes. On the buyer appointment, I'd be walking them through how the process works, have a time frame, show them what exactly is going to happen from the initial meeting with you to closing on a new home. A bullet point list, a buyer's journey is great. Secondly, go over their financial plan to get into the property. Not what their rate's gonna be, how much cash they need to close and what their monthly payment will be. That's number two. And three, go over their goals again and just reiterate what's important to them about everything. Get deep into the motivation. That will show these buyers that you listen to them on the initial call. So that would be my buyer consult summary. On the seller side, I'd be looking at how to create the right emotional reaction when they walk through the door, how to get the right exposure online and offline, and how to position the property to be the next one to sell in the marketplace. How well does the home show? How are you gonna market it? How do you price it? Those are the three points. The best presentations always have three points. I would stick with that format. So that's number one. Have that kind of concise, clear agenda for every meeting with your clients. This is going to be the most important meeting you have because it's your interview for the job of getting their home sold or helping them find a new home. That's something not a lot of agents did. They would take the call, go show the property, write the offer, and skip all that. 
The second thing is lead care. Lead care is something that agents traditionally just throw out the window. It's the first thing they'll stop doing. They won't properly document the notes. They won't set the follow-up in the CRM. They don't do all the things that need to happen. And the reality is, if you want to look at your business and see why it's not where you want it, just look at what you were doing 90 days ago. And that's where lead care starts. So at our team, we're big believers in the big four, where every lead that comes in, we log the communication and put in the notes. We set the follow-up. The next time we're going to reach out to them because all the money's in the follow-up. We adjust the category from a new lead to whatever we use internally. And then lastly, we put them on a property drip, either a seller neighborhood sales activity drip or a buyer search that's going to show them the kind of homes that they're looking for. And if you do that every single time and make sure you set a follow-up every single time, that's going to be really critical. Here's some other aspects of lead care people forget about. For all our hot leads, the people that are ready to transact in the next 90 days, we're calling them once a week. For nurture leads, people that are three to six months from trying to get into a home, we're calling them every other week. And for watch leads, people that are six to 12 months out, we're calling them once a month. We are picking up the phone and calling them. Text messaging, email, that can be great. You don't get the tonality. You don't get that warm and fuzziness that comes through when people hear the sound of your voice. So lead care is something people forgot about because if they weren't ready to buy a home in the next 30, 60 days, most agents were like, ah, see you later. I got too many people I got to get in the properties right now. Or I've got too many sellers ready to list right now. So it's another mistake that caused weakness to come out of the strong market. So proper lead care is really critical. Number three is going to be the nurture game. Time frame matters. A lot of folks thought that if someone wasn't ready to buy a home, in the next 7, 10, 15, 20 days, in 2020, 2021, or the first half of this year, that it wasn't worth working with them. And in my view, that's where all the money is. No one wants to do the follow-up. No one wants to do the nurturing. And the folks that have the most success, they create rapport. They build value. They show that they have things to bring to the table instead of just taking orders and getting people into properties or just listing their home and not doing anything, just sticking it on the internet and waiting for something to happen. The nurture game involves a couple things. One, having that strategy session or planning meeting like we talked about in the first bullet point. Two, keeping in touch with people and calling them back when you say you will. If someone says, call me in a month, and you don't call them in a month, folks are going to remember that. And the odds are most people, they're going to be talking to lots of agents and over 70% of them they sign with the first person they meet with. So if you're not nurturing them and constantly following up and reaching out and connecting and doing that big four follow-up with lead care, you're missing out. You're not going to convert these things right away. You're not going to convert these people right away. These are big decisions. And typically, most of the conversion happens from the lead coming in within 30 days up until 12 months. That's what I'd be looking at right now and making sure there's high volume communication there so they know that you're going to be the person that's on the case. So we've got the consultation. We've got proper lead care. We've got lead nurturing and building a relationship. And the last one is building trust, right? And how do you build trust? You follow through on your commitments, you listen to people, and you give them the information that they're looking for. And if you are setting that intention to, I'm going to build trust with people and meet them and help them, and I'm not worried about their time frame, and you lose that commission breath, that sort of stinky used car salesman smell that a lot of realtors get accused of, it's going to go a long way. So how do you build trust? 
You listen, take notes, mirror and match. Repeat back their answers when they answer a question. Make sure they know you're paying attention to what they're doing. So many agents just don't even listen. They don't take the right notes. They, they don't have the information right in front of them. So by doing all these steps, you're gonna build trust. Then calling back when you say you will, nurturing the lead, but then also making, about, making it about the person, not the property. Showing them and walking into a home and saying, hey, this isn't a good fit for you. This is a busy road. This floor plan's a little wonky. When you're showing them you're on their side in the showing, or when you're giving them advice not to sell the home, when you're on the listing appointment or telling them when you're in the process with them, hey, I don't agree with this feedback that a buyer gave us, it's okay to push back on those things. When you really advocate for your client, that's gonna build trust over time. So when you do have the opportunity to get them into a great home or they've got a great offer in front of them, they're gonna be okay with it. Those four steps, they got ignored the past two years. They created a lot of weaknesses, a lot of bad skills. There was no follow-up. All the things that we know work, they're back in vogue and that's how people are converting right now. The question is, are you gonna be one of them or are you gonna keep doing things the same way and getting the same result?